You're listening to Peace in Lovecast, a podcast about music, lyrics, and life lessons inspired by D'Angelo. With yours truly, Odelia. Enoch Armando King is a Georgia native who has acted in numerous films and at least eight theater companies. His movie credits include Uncle Drew, The Watsons Go to Birmingham, Drumline, The Fighting Temptations, and Medea's Family Reunion. He has also appeared on TV with Tyler Perry's House of Pain, BT's Let's Stay Together, and various commercials. In 2022, he has had roles in The Last Day of Dolomite Gray, TV series starring Samuel L. Jackson, the Atlanta TV series, and Till, the Emmett Till movie. Welcome to Peace and Love, Cast Edith. Hey, welcome, welcome. I'm very happy to be here. This is an honor. I'm so happy that you're here, first of all. <laughs> what a powerful name. Well, my name is uh, Biblical. The meaning is Inauguration and Dedication. He is the man that walked with God and did not die. He ascended to heaven. Um, I also learned um, just gaining more knowledge about it, that there there is a book of Enoch. Well, and it's pronounced the book of Enoch. Yes. Um, <laughs> it talks about the hierarchy of the angels. I'm Israelite. So, yeah, you're on point with that. Yeah. Uh, I have yeah. read the book. <laughs> and so that's what stood out to me when I uh, first saw your name. Um, yeah. So let's get into it. I have a few warm up questions for you. I call it the this or that game. So I'm going to say two things and you're going to choose one of them. And if for some reason they both apply, you have to explain why. Okay. Sounds like, sounds fun. Sounds fun. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. So the first one is leading or submitting? Hmm. Both. I think both of them um, require a certain amount of skill and understanding. And I think there is knowledge to be gained from both sides of it. And I think we all um, at some point in, my, in our lives have moments and opportunities where we are called to lead and moments and opportunities in our lives where we are called and asked to submit in order to progress forward. So I, from my own experience, I understand the moments when you, when leading is important. And I also understand the moments when submitting is important in order to facilitate um, growth and understanding and to progress in whatever it is that you're doing. Business or pleasure? I lean toward pleasure uh, at this moment, but again, I think it's, <laughs> I, see <the> benefits, <laughs> I see the benefits of both. I see the benefits of how you can, I, if you get your business together, you can enjoy pleasure a lot more. I'll say that. Hopefully this one this one will give you a little bit of challenge. Okay, okay, okay. Film or theater? Woo! <laughs> I see, I, well, essentially, I tell people all the time, uh, film for the money and impacting more people, theater for the love. And I can do the same thing with theater, but, you know, monetarily. I can make on a good film or TV show <laughs> like in one week what I'll make in doing some theater for wow. the entire run. And that's just the reality of it. Um, but my my love, my first love is and always will be theater. That is we we are we have been inseparable since we first met in she treats me right sometimes. She treats me wrong sometimes. <laughs> At the moment, right now, working on working on a play um, called "Flying West" by Pearl Klieg. Um, and this is my first time doing it. I've heard uh, I've heard about the show. I've seen the show. This is my first time stepping into a role for the show, and it's just so much I can learn with theater that also helps me with film and TV. So okay. I can I can never. It would never be one of those things where I would 100% step away from theater 
and say I'm never doing theater again. I could never I could never say that honestly. And I could never say that and be happy. Mm. Okay. History or Afrofuturism? Afrofuturism. Afrofuturism. <laughs> see, and, but see, here's the thing though. See, here's the thing. I say that with the caveat of with the knowledge of history. Okay. I think it's I think it's very important as we imagine and continue to branch out into the aspects of Afrofuturism, there is also a calling to really gain a truthful ground in history. We've been taught a ton of things that as the years go on, we realize every side of that story wasn't really being told. Mm -hmm. And so there is very important. You know, there are people that have an issue or just have a desire for more stories to be told aside from stories of our past with slavery. Yes. I understand that calling. I understand that that desire. And so my thing is, it's not to discard it, but it is to continue to find those stories that weren't written, continue to find those stories that were designed to be burned away. I mean, I, I know I am who I am because of my history. So I never forget my history. So if I can learn from that and become the person that I am, then as a culture, as a people, I think it's very important. I don't think we should ever step away from it. I think it can help us influence our present and and our future. Even with that, I do say Afrofuturism because I love the creative idea of the beyond. I enjoy the beyond. And especially nowadays, we're getting to we get we're getting an opportunity now more than ever to see ourselves in a futuristic landscape that, you know powers that be would not did not want us to see and view and so i'm excited to see what that holds but again i hold a special place for history i respect it and so i desire it to continue to be learned um as we continue to move forward okay yeah i mean even going back to the book of enoch like that's mm -hmm. an example of something that the powers that be it isn't readily available in the widely, you know, sold version of the Bible. But also I um, I wanted to mention that I recently watched Neptune by Saul Williams. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's- I'm a, familiar uh, with Saul, but not, not Neptune. I learned of Saul because Saul did the liner notes for D'Angelo's voodoo album. Mm. Um, and so I've been following um, Saul for some time, but he recently released Neptune, which is this Afrofuturistic musical. And it just talks about so much different things, but basically it's talking about just how we connect to sound and how that kind of like is not subjected to time or space or like all these other constructs that we are subjected to now. Mm -hmm. um, and it's very interesting. So yeah, that's, it came out in June, I believe. So it's still, it's still out there. Uh, I okay. watched it on, I watched it on Netflix. So it's in theaters. I believe still, but you can also get it on one of those like on-demand platforms. Neptune Saul Williams. Yes. Okay. Neptune. Ready for the last one? Yes. Let's get into it. <laughs> yes. Let's do it. Peace or love? <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, from just recent experiences, I've learned that. I, I I need my peace. I need, <laughs> I need I need peace. I need I need everybody to understand and get along to go along. So uh, at this moment, I say peace. With all of these questions, is like I see the benefits in understanding, like how they're both needed. Like love is needed, and love can breed peace, and peace can breed breed love. Ah, there's a method to my madness. Yes. I see, I see, I see, I see, I see. You. <laughs> but hey, I always, I always wish everyone both. So absolutely, peace absolutely. and love, <laughs> peace, peace and love. love. Yes, but I'm, I'm learning more. Like peace of mind 
is very important, is very paramount for me um, in order to help me to function. And I think having that peace can help facilitate that love. Okay. Yeah. I want you to tell us uh, what was your first acting role that you remember having? And when I ask that question, I don't mean like either professional or not even like in high school, like anything that you remember doing could have been you when you were younger in front of your family in the living room. (laughs) (laughs) Like what was the first acting role that you remember having in life? My first acting role that I remember having in life was a church play. (laughs) And I remember, and I remember it distinctly because I had this line and I, and, and I say the line and then at the end of the line, uh, the word, the word written was don't you. Um, like don't you, but it was like, don't and CHA don't you. And my brain just couldn't, I didn't really register it. And so I didn't say, don't you? I was like, don't cha. And I remember doing that. <laughs> and only when I got older, I was like, why did you, is it just don't you? Like, why did you <laughs> put that emphasis on cha like that? Like it was a cha-cha slide, bro. I just <laughs> really get it. So that is my first that is my first memory uh acting. <laughs> like don't you know no good like that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and how old were you? I would say I was about 14, 15. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right, so from then church play 14, 15 bring us up to the moment when you realize that um acting was going to be your calling a couple of things happened one um my homeroom teacher was also one of the drama teachers in the school i was doing chorus and so we had to but in our homeroom we had to learn monologues and i (laughs) i didn't really understand or know anything about that but one of the monologues I my first monologue I ever learned was Mark Antony's eulogy from Julius Caesar. Mm. And I remember I read it and one of the the one the first thing I recognized was I, I understood what was what was happening, what he was talking about. And I hadn't really studied Shakespeare like that. And it it was it was love at first sight, really. It was something that I was like, wow, I can, I can, I can do this. This is something I I enjoy. It's something I love. And I remember I learned it. And I, you know, when you when you know when you when you get introduced to something that you like and you love, like you just want to share it with everybody. And so I remember I would I would be in like my math class, my political science class and English class like listen I know y'all got y'all got to do this work but can I do this monologue <laughs> I remember <laughs> doing that like asking them to let me do this monologue and so I was just perform I was performing it in classes and stuff like that I was just so happy that I found something to grasp onto um and so from then that same year we you know you have finals and stuff for your classes and then for that for that play production class we had to do a monologue for um for a grade and that was when i was introduced to the drama teacher at tri-cities high school which is where i went to his name was freddie hendrix ah your mentor yes my artistic mentor i call it that that's my artistic yeah. father right there and so he after I finished, we talked afterwards and he was like, you need to be in drama. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and so I, I left, um, I left chorus as my magnet and I switched over to, to the drama department. Hmm. That's so interesting that you weren't good at monologues, given what we're going to talk about later. But <laughs> to, to answer your question about if you, if I've ever, or in general, if you've ever found something that you really love and then you just want to share it with everyone. 
Yeah. That's essentially what this podcast is. Like, I get you. <laughs> yes. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you know, you I know. know. Okay. So, can you tell me, like, what is the role that you are most proud of and why? Hmm. Well, that is, <laughs> man, that, that's difficult for, that's difficult because for there's so many roles that I'm very, very proud of. You didn't um, think this interview was going to be easy, did you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because because the thing is, like, I can give and I can give the different reasons why I'm why I'm proud of them. Um, I would I would I'll go recently. Um, recently, I did a show called The Light by Loy A. Webb. Um, she she's actually she writes. Um, she's a writer on uh, some TV shows right at this moment but i remember um i remember when i read the synopsis of the show it was about this black couple that are that are that uh, they're in love they're on the cusp of um taking their relationship to the next level he proposes to her and then it opens up into this conversation about um about assault about um just a very important and intricate conversation and i remember i read the synopsis and i was so just enamored by it i just was like yo i i gotta read this play and i found a friend of mine who actually did it in chicago and i read the play and i was done and i just kept the, pitching it to different theater companies in atlanta and horizon theater lisa adler she's our artistic director she she called my best friend Cynthia Barker, who's also an um, an artist as well, and said, "We're going to do the light, but it has to be you and Enoch." And so we wound up doing that show, and that that show it was beautiful and uh, important, and I learned so much about myself. And I learned so much about just how you treat people, how you listen to people. And so I'm I'm proud of that show. And I'm proud. And honestly, I'm proud of the fact that, like, I kept pushing for the show to go to be put up in Atlanta. And I was able to help facilitate and make that happen. So I'm very proud of that. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Right. So you mentioned that you were initially in choir or chorus um, yes. before switching over to drama. Now, mm -hmm. so my next question is, what role, if any, does or has music played in your life? And this is aside from playing the leader of the tuba section and drumline, of course. <laughs> I know you're going to love this one. My desire is for people to feel the same way seeing me perform as the way they hear music. You can hear a couple of notes and remember a song and remember that feeling. It is one of the things that I strive for is to create music, a melody, a harmony with my roles, even without necessarily the instrumental musicality. I, I That is my desire. And I remember I was on the right track. I did a show and um, my friend, uh, Okori, he's a he's a celloist. He came and saw the show and he was like, man, it's so beautiful to see you on stage, man. What you do is like music. That's what I aim for. And that's what I've been aiming for. So music is very influential in everything that I do, whether on set or on stage, because I understand how impactful it is. And I understand that how important rhythm is and the different facets of rhythm and how rhythm comes into play even if you don't necessarily have music so yeah you were correct i i'm trying to like <laughs> stop smiling but i i love that answer wow yeah. okay yeah. that's an amazing approach to acting so how does an actor with roles in productions like i had a dream about martin luther king jr and mm -hmm. you know things like a raisin in the sun and most recently till a true story mm -hmm. based on the lynching of Emmett Till. 
end up being casted to play quote unquote man or D'Angelo <laughs> in an episode of the Atlanta TV series. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar, the TV series was created by Donald Glover, aka Childish Gambino, for you music heads. Um, yes. back in 2016. And in September, I believe, you joined an episode, you know, where Ern goes on a quest to experience D'Angelo. So how do yes. you go from all of these very multifaceted, serious, you know, array of roles to playing D'Angelo, <laughs> essentially? That's the beautiful thing. Uh, you know, you're, the amazing thing is, like, the place that you are in your journey, people make the assumption that that's who you've always been. And I'm silly. <laughs> like majority of my roles, my first roles especially, were just comedic roles, the comedic sidekick and stuff like that, mm -hmm. because I enjoyed doing it and it's so much fun. And I remember a couple of things happened with with um, that role. One, I found out that they that this was the last season. And I had seen so many of my friends be cast in the show. And I, it was one of the things I just kind of, I I put out there and I, I spoke out into the universe. I was like, I, I gotta be on this final season. Like I will be in the final season of Atlanta. I, it's, it's happening. And also one of the things that happened was I was, I like to be a reader for, for shows and for movies. And basically what a reader is, is, they'll get together and they'll read the script with, you know, the main cast, people that have auditioned and gotten offers. And for any other roles that haven't been cast yet, they they have a reader, like usually a man and a woman reading the different various roles. And so I got called to um, read for a couple of those episodes of Atlanta. And that was a lot of fun. And I know that also helped them because they got a chance to see me and see how I see how I read, see how I act. And so then I got the audition to audition for man. Man. And <laughs> yes. And and um normally I just do I just do auditions. I keep it real simple, you know, a nice button down, a nice shirt, and I just read and stuff. But this role, there was something about it, and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna. I'm just going to go all out with it. Um, and a shout out to Anthony Goolsby, who also helped influence that. He's a fellow actor that really just, he goes all out for a lot of auditions. And so for this role, I was like, you know what? He's playing Al Green. Cool. We're going to have Al Green playing in the background. I, I took a tie and wrapped it around my head. I got my friend's uh, hat. I put that on. And um, she was taping me, and and so she was like, "Oh, you should have some sage and incense in the background." And so I sat <laughs> down, and I sat down on a pillow, and I had this stuff, and I was like, and I read it, and I was like, "How does this brother sound?" It's like he just sounds like he's, you know, just that kind of everything's chill, man. Everything's cool. It's just a vibe. You know what I'm saying? Just yeah. It's all love. It's all love. And I went in and I had so much fun doing it. And I was like, regardless of what happens, I came out of that and I had a ton of fun. And we were heading to like North Carolina um, and just for a little quick little mini vacation. And they called me and gave me the offer. Wow. Like, you got to turn around and go back, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, you didn't get to go on your vacation? No, we, we, we were riding up. We went and ate some wings at this nice spot over there by the beach. We walked on the beach for a little bit and then we drove right back. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, well, thank you for sacrificing your vacation. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I was like, yeah, sorry. This is Atlanta. I'm going, I'm doing this. So whether or not I, I was thinking about, I was like, if y'all still want to do it, that's fine. I'll rent a car <laughs> and come back and go back. Well, so you shared a video about the process of, you know, yes. the lines for the Atlanta episode. So, the monologue was slightly different from what aired on TV. So I guess my question is, how many versions of the script were there or were you just improvising? It was improvisation. Um, well, um, it wasn't, 
it wasn't improv. They did. They made some adjustments with the lines um, before I got there because I did the audition and then, and then I think it shot maybe a couple of. No, it shot that same time. But um, I also went back and did some um, some voiceover, some AR work, and that's just uh, doing some dub some vocal dubs over some of the lines. Sometimes mics don't pick up everything that needs to be said. So they ask you to go back and they'll replay the scene and you'll dub, you'll just do a dub over your lines or uh, over whatever that sound is that they need. And so when I went in, they actually asked me to, they gave me a whole other little speech to say, and so in that in that episode when when I'm sitting there and I'm talking to him and I was like um, something about him having a dream and in this dream this happens and that happens that's not how I originally did it they had it was something else and but based on what I based on my performance they was like okay we're 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 gonna change that up and so we want you to say this and so I had a whole other speech <laughs> that they asked me to do when I came in and I did the um, AR work. Okay. So it aired in September. Well, when you said it's taped at the same time, when did it, when did you actually tape like the bulk of it? Uh, September um, of last year, actually. Okay. So it yeah. wasn't that far, you know, okay, cool. Cause I'm like, how long did you know that this was going to air? Oh, I knew, I knew a year, I knew a year beforehand. A year? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yep. So wait, a year, okay, a year out. Where did the idea to have an episode, you know, seeking the elusive D'Angelo even come from? Like, are you aware of how that even came um, to be? With how Atlanta is, the type of show that it is, it makes perfect sense in that it's in the fantastical surreal nature of of the show and so it's one of those things like where even when you read it you read the script and you look at it and you it it doesn't it's not it's not something so out of out of pocket like i read it and i was like yep this makes sense he was like i need to find <laughs> because of the top of the episode, he's like, "Yeah, we need to find somebody like D'Angelo." He's like, "No, I need to find D'Angelo," and he spends the episode saying, "I want to see D'Angelo. I want to meet D'Angelo. I want to talk to D'Angelo." But only when he said, "I want to experience D'Angelo," did the doors open, and he was able to gain that access. Yeah, mind blown. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely wow okay so can you can you explain <laughs> the peanut butter fried chicken skin all white bread please i i cannot <laughs> <laughs> did you I, did you really take a bite of that or was that was i absolutely i absolutely did yes wow, i did wow i'm so sorry i mean the sacrifices we do for the roles <laughs> yes but that's the interesting thing. Like I didn't taste anything but the peanut butter. It it masked everything else. Wow. It, it masked everything else. It was it was very it was so crazy. But I, but yeah, I had the that peanut butter fried chicken skin. Like it was amazing. <laughs> Man, yo, you know, going back to what you said about like the nature of Atlanta and just like anything can kind of happen. Um, in episodes and how it made perfect sense full transparency like that that your episode was the only the first and only episode that i watched of Atlanta. so you know it's like what's going on here (laughs) yeah it's kind of twin peaks and i think that's one of the thing one of the shows he talked about having a certain influence it's like there's these surreal things happening to you in real time that you're trying to gain understanding of and kind of looking at the person next to you like are you seeing what i'm saying are you seeing it in the same way um and that's one of the reasons why it 
I know like people talk about Atlanta now, but I know they'll be referencing it for a long time. Just, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, yes. I mean, so many people sent me clips. They're like, did you see this? They sent it to like the yes. podcast page. They're like, what is your interpretation? Like, what do you think this means? Like, what <laughs> is this? I mean, yes. So like another thing that they asked me about was like, what was that Simba-esque peanut butter forehead swipe? Like, what was the significance <laughs> of that? That was, man, I don't, again, they, they wrote some stuff and I was like, and again, it, but again, in the context of this new discovery, this birth, this kind of rebirth that man wants for earn it makes perfect sense because like i don't have the little pomegranate juice that rafiki had but i got this little peanut butter right here and now you are <laughs> now you are a protector <laughs> this is this is the this is the ritual congratulations you are part you are part of the experience of d'angelo well, you know, so, okay, the parallels to reality, right? So, you know, people that, you know, do support D'Angelo, they are essentially in this uh, waiting game, this patience game. And it's like, how long can you wait or how much patience do you have to actually deserve, <laughs> you know, yeah. the reemergence of such a major talent, right? So mm -hmm. that's kind of like the lens in which I viewed it. Um, and it was a lot of people were cracking up like, hey, he didn't bathe and shower, eat or whatever for four days, and that's it. And he's complaining. <laughs> <laughs> like December fifteenth has been eight years since his last album, Black Messiah. D'Angelo yes. Black Messiah. Like people have been waiting eight years, <laughs> four <Yes>. days. <laughs> okay, come on. And the beautiful thing is, he is. I love D'Angelo's music, and and I also understand. Like I, I read an article when he talked about. Um, how does it feel and talking about performing it and talking about how it made him feel to be viewed in a certain way and how it kind of just, it, it wasn't pleasant for him. And so he just kind of pulled back from it and it just makes sense for an artist like that. He, I think he takes pride and love in it and he desires it to be, um, felt and viewed and understood and respected in a certain way. And I think he enjoys, you know, I think he enjoys taking this time and moments. And I think he also, like any artist, have has those moments where things aren't coming and there's an, if I force it, it won't be what I desire it to be. And so... I I agree. It's like, man, when I'm hearing some more music, but I also understand like that type of artist is very important to move move when it is time to move. I totally agree. And the thing is too that um, like D'Angelo is such a purist that I don't think that in his in, in, like the motivation and for him isn't entirely just like what the fans want. It's more of yeah. a, a channeling of his talent, which is which I view as a divine talent. Absolutely. But also when we when we get the music, it lasts us for a long time. Like people are still talking about Brown Sugar and Voodoo and Black Messiah. Like, yeah, I I got I got I know there's. <laughs> Of course, everybody's got favorite songs, but I, I got favorite songs of each of his, each of his albums. Um, okay, what are they? Let's let's do a little detour. What are they? <laughs> Brown Sugar. What's your favorite song off Brown Sugar? Okay, so there were two tracks that I really love off of it. And <laughs> no it, pun intended. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when we get by. Okay, good one. And higher. Ah, okay, okay. So I love me and those dreaming eyes of mine. Um, cru just his cruising is so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> There's cruising. a saying that like if D'Angelo does a cover, regardless of even if it's a great one of the greats, like it becomes D'Angelo's song, and people don't yeah. really remember who did it originally. But yeah, okay, those are some good ones. I would say my favorite off of. Uh, brown sugar is all right um mm. that bass mm -hmm. that bass line gets me every time yeah that bass that bass is like, lovely. 
<laughs> that base was lovely. Absolutely lovely. But I also like all the curse words that I can't say. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love SDM. That also has a good bass line. And of, of course, Lady, you know, what's your favorite song off of Voodoo? Oh, Voodoo. So um, send it on. Ah, nice. One more again. Oh, come on. That right. baseline is sick, too. Yeah, that baseline and just... It's the, a whole skit in the beginning of it. It's a whole it. skit. It's a whole just story. Of course, untitled. Africa. Yeah. Man, Af just... You're about to name the whole album. I, I could name the whole album. And, <laughs> okay, and, uh, and, and, and Spanish joint. Ah, nice. But I nice. just got, but I really, 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 I'll be honest, I really, really just got in the Spanish joint. I just, okay. Just, I'm like, what is happening? Right. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. You like in those horn, those horn placements yes. by you know, the late great Roy Hargrove. Okay. Yes. yes. Okay. All right. All right. My favorite song off of Voodoo um, is Devil's Pie. Uh -huh. It's like, Devil's Pie and then everything else is the number yes. two. <laughs> okay, Black Messiah. Black Messiah. Uh, it is uh, really love. <laughs> That's why I said earlier, no pun intended, since we're talking about D'Angelo song yep. title. I, that also that also starts, I believe, with um skit or a script. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Betray my heart. Uh huh. Um, and the door. Ah, you know, people don't really name the door like that, but the door is a good one. Yes. Yeah, I was having a conversation recently and people were sort of trying to figure out if the door is a blues song or a quartet, like quartet gospels vibe. So there's a little debate going on with the, with the music heads. <laughs> I'm like, y'all have to ask D'Angelo whenever he comes around. Um, but yeah, the door is a good one. I mean, it feels more like blues. To me, I, I, uh -huh. I think it feels more like the blues. Yeah, I mean, I think it feels more like blues, but I think in terms of some of the the, the construction of the song. Yeah, that's, that's what true. they're talking about. And then also some of the singers involved are from the quartet tradition. So, mm. yeah, so that but that just speaks to, you know, the genius of D'Angelo. <laughs> Like, what artists are we debating about whether it's a blues or a quartet gospel song, though? <laughs> what what, what are the artists? <laughs> um, but I think, you know, a lot of listeners from the podcast already know my favorite song off of Black Messiah is Till It's Done 2-2. Uh, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> All right, so let's get back on track, okay? Oh, ooh, ooh, um, wait, wait, before we do that, just one more. Okay, okay, so this is... This is how dope D'Angelo is. So I was I was playing this game called Red Dead Redemption 2. It's this I know where you're going with this. Yeah, and I'm sitting there. Wait a minute. Is that D'Angelo? I've yes. never heard of this song before. Man, listen, like D'Angelo Unshaken is the name of the song. Yeah, and absolutely. I put that song in a category by itself. Like there's there's like all the albums and everything and the covers and then there's like on shaken by itself and um i was like yo if that's the direction that d'angelo's going in like i want to go too <laughs> but the crazy part is such it's such a spiritual and serious song for a video game and that's the but that's the amazing thing but then you see you see the game that is around that song uh-huh the it, whole scene and it works and and then it comes in at the end at this like this powerful moment at the end and it comes back and i you've i've seen people's reaction to like to that ending yes ending moment and the tears in people's eyes <laughs> and but it because it, it's the song and it's the moment but the song makes the moment and the moment makes the song and it, it all works together and I was like, man, this is, yeah. man, that song is, that song is, I put that thing on repeat. I couldn't, I couldn't, I was like, yo, I just got to, I got to break Same. it down. I was like, let me hear the lyrics. Let me find out what the lyrics are. Like, what, uh -huh. is, what is happening? Yes. <laughs> yes. And um, there's another version to it by Rocco DeLuca, who's also credited with writing that song. 
shout out to D for that one. Yes, um, I heard absolutely. that they allowed him to play the video game for hours um, and then asked if he would do the the record and wow. he agreed. And then we have the beautiful Unshaken. Now, I remember seeing clips of him performing it at Tribeca Film Festival um, during, they, so they added a section for video games. Yes. For the last Tribeca Film Festival or the previous one. Um, and he performed that and sounds exactly like the record. The way that thing came, the way his voice came in, <laughs> I was just, I had to pause. I was like, Me wait too. a minute, what, what's going on? Me too. I was like, wait, huh? Wait, so there's this part where he like keeps getting higher and higher. And it's just like, yes. how does one achieve such excellence? I know that's one of the reasons why I love uh I love I love higher. Um Okay. Just how it moves. The just the just the organs, the the beat, how he's singing it, um the gospel, the gospel connections and just I was like, brother, man, come so on. So many bro. layers to it. There's come so on, many layers man. to it. And like, it's so interesting because um, I'm not, so I, <laughs> don't judge me, okay? Um, I learned of D'Angelo's music from verses that happened in 2021. And I was like, how come nobody, how come <laughs> So I've been alive for how many decades and like nobody was like okay sit down here and listen to this stuff right um, yeah. and of course you know it was during a time where you know I needed it because everyone was standing yeah. still pretty much and so I was really able to receive it and so I was like nope just like you said earlier I'm like I'm telling everybody about this because absolutely I can't even believe and then you know, I would get questions from when I first started the podcast about like, how are you going to keep this going? I'm like, there's so many angles. I have so many angles to talk about just, you know, the different things that his music inspires and entails. Now, here we are talking about a TV series and the concept yes. or the experience of D'Angelo. And there, here we go again, off on another tangent. So it's like... Yeah. Yeah, we, I mean, I, I remember... Like the songs that I remember, some of those songs I remember fondly. You know, I, there is a there is a time period. There is a connection. There is an emotional connection to certain songs. Certain songs help me to get by. Certain songs help me to gain a better understanding of my feelings toward somebody I was crushing on or something like that. It. It, it all it all there's so many layers to it i think that's one of the beautiful things i'm i'm doing the same i'm doing something similar just listening to old listening to music from the 70s and 80s and the 60s and i'm just learning more about like a lot of the a lot of the songs that we thought were written by well an artist and performed by them originally wasn't Oh my goodness. Dion Warwick did so many songs that I had no idea. I I I didn't swore up and down Anita Baker did You Bring Me Joy by herself. And it, then I go back and I'm like, oh no. Dion Warwick did these songs. Like that is, and I'm like, oh, so I'm the same way. That's why it's no judgment. If you whenever you <laughs> discover D'Angelo is when you were supposed to. Well, yeah, exactly. Thank you. And you know, so after I like got into D'Angelo's music, I immediately went to late 60s and 70s because I feel like that's where he draws a lot of his inspiration from. Absolutely. So I'm like, I love it there. I'm still there. Don't ask me what just came out because I won't be able to tell you because I'm, you know, listening I, to music. I cannot. I cannot. <laughs> I I'll be I'll be I keep it I keep it 100. I cannot remember. I don't know a lot of the newer artists and you know at some point I'll I'll go through that discovery but right now my my space my energy is leaning towards like reintroducing myself and reinvesting in the music that I that I grew up with and the music that influences me 
like then just hearing the harmonies and hearing the musicality of it and falling in love with it all over again. Yeah, I totally agree. I recently went back through the entire catalog of Fly in the Family Stone. And I'm like, yes. oh, I need to get some of this on wax. Like, I need to get fresh on wax for a yes. Like, I need that album. Yes. So, yeah, it's just, it's just more fulfilling for me. Um, the lyrics had meaning, the musicality, the instrumentation, you know what I mean? Just all the ingenuity of it all is just Yes. And I would... the... <laughs> oh, no. No, I was, I'm sorry. I was just listening to, um, what's love got to do with it uh -huh. yesterday. And I was, and I was just listening to the lyrics and they, and just recognizing where Tina was in that moment, mm -hmm. just getting away from Ike, but just, you must understand that the, po that the touch of your hand makes my pulse react. It's like, I ain't heard. <laughs> I ain't heard nothing around this corner <laughs> of this time and space like that in a minute. Yeah, that is beautiful. Yeah. So yeah, I'm with you on that. All right. Okay. So we're on the same page. <laughs> so let's backtrack a little bit or get back on track. Okay. <laughs> um. So I wanted to ask you, like, what has the reception been like after you played Man <laughs> or D'Angelo <laughs> on the Atlanta episode? Uh, I know I heard a lot of people were initially hoping it was D'Angelo, and then they were like, <laughs> "Wait, who is this?" <laughs> and I I told a lot of my friends that I was on I was on the episode. I just didn't tell them who I was going to be. <laughs> so, like, once they saw it, they were like, "What, yo, that's, that's so dope!" Um, and I will go ahead and say on your podcast as well. I let the people know on my IG, but that is not me singing at the top. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I saw that. <laughs> it's like that's I not me. That. <laughs> um, but I love how they did it because I, I, I didn't even know that. That, that they had actually done that until I saw the episode. So that was so that was really cool how they incorporated that. But um the reception has been really well. People really enjoyed it. They enjoyed it. They had a good time. Um and I'm and I'm glad personally I'm glad that I got to be a part of be a part of the Atlanta universe in that way. Twitter went off. Okay, and I posted I posted something on the podcast page as well, and people had feelings about it too. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I'm gonna be honest. I was just like, "What is this? See, what is the peanut butter and the chicken and all? What is this about?" I'm like, "See, this is why D'Angelo don't come outside." Cause every little thing, every little thing. No, um, I think and Al Green actually put something on his TikTok where where I was fixing the sandwich and he was like he was like y'all want to try to y'all want to try the L cream challenge it's like having a peanut butter and fried chicken skin really sandwich. yes wow Al yeah. green that's major yeah. okay yo that was amazing that yo, was amazing so yo that kind of goes into my next question which is <laughs> so okay so was was D'Angelo anywhere aware of the scene or have you gotten any feedback afterwards for any, did you get a smoke signal from somewhere of approval or disapproval or anything? I have, I haven't heard anything. I, okay. I was actually wondering myself, like who, who that was singing, who was doing the vocals. And I was like, well, was that D'Angelo doing the vocals? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, All of the, the most, most of the stuff I've gotten has been from the people that were um, some of the producers with the show. When I went back and I did AR and the director, like they really enjoyed the scene. And one of the producers was like, this is one of my favorite scenes of the season. And so I really appreciated wow. that. Um, and yeah, cause I, I had so much fun with it and I enjoyed it so much. And just the chance to smear some peanut butter on, on Donald Glover's head. It was like, I, P 
people will remember that. It's like you the peanut butter smearing dude. It's like I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> so can I put you on the spot? All right. Can we can we get a taste of the monologue right here, right now on Peace and Love Cast? Are you ready? Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. <laughs> <clears throat> Would you like to know what a D'Angelo is? A D'Angelo is a complex network of men, women, and D'Angelos spread across countries. Earth and light. We're protectors. You have proven yourself worthy of our visage. So you also are a protector. Peace and love cast exclusive. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Edith. That was so great. I wanted to hear it directly from the actor's lips. What do you think of this notion that we are D'Angelo? Because that is a thing now and it is a hashtag now. And you're partly responsible is? for it. So, <laughs> oh, I had no, I had no idea. It we is. are D'Angelo. What do you, Yo, what do you take? What is your take on that? I love that. I think that's amazing because I think it's things that I I pull from it are love, and understanding, and and peace. So much positive when I think about that. When people say we are D'Angelo. Because I think it's it's a I think it is a certain way of living and existing of cohesiveness and oneness. I think yeah, that sounds. I I had no idea. That sounds that sounds beautiful. I'm glad I I'm glad to be a part of it because there's a I, I could be a part of a whole bunch of ignorant. So <laughs> I, I'd rather but be a part of something like that. <laughs> you had you rather be a part of the complex network of men, women, and D'Angelo's spread across yes. countries, earth and light. Earth and light. Yes. That's what I'd rather be a part of. Absolutely. I wanted to switch gears a little bit um, mm-hmm. and ask you about your late one of your latest roles, uh, yes. which is Johnny B. Washington in Till, the true yes. story of Mammy Till Mobley, who her relentless pursuit of justice for her 14-year-old son, Emmett Till, who was brutally lynched in 1955 while visiting his family in Mississippi. So how did that come to be? Can you tell us a little bit about your character and your preparation for that role? So that role came about, it was a kind of a really dope thing that happened. Once again, I was uh, I was asked to be a reader for they were doing a reading of the script, I think last year around August, and they asked me to be a reader. And so a lot of those, a lot of the male parts hadn't been cast. So I wound up reading for like, maybe I want to say about like 15 people. And they just really loved what I did with the with the part with the parts and stuff. I just kind of delved in and that goes to my theater thing. Just, just understanding. I, I wasn't going in with the expectation that I was going to get a role. I, I, I'm worried about that. You, you asked me to come in here and assist so you can hear it. I'm going to give you my best just so you can uh, hear what you need to hear. And so that's what, that was the approach that I had. And so I went in and I read and all, all, a lot of the, the leads were on the call and Whoopi Goldberg was on the zoom call. And I remember we did, uh, I did one scene with Daniel Detweiler with uh, Mamie Till and uncle Mose. And it was just a really powerful scene. And I remember afterwards, like everybody, you could hear a pin drop and people were just crying. And I think that was one of the reasons a couple of days later, they called me and they asked me, they were like, Hey, um, they want to make you an offer to play um, Johnny B. Washington. I was like, wow. excellent. Sounds wonderful. I, I I accept. So Johnny B. Washington, can you explain who that is? There has been speculation that the night that Emmett um, got taken away, that it wasn't just um, Milam and Brian, that there right. were two other two black men that were involved as well. And Johnny B. Washington was one of them. He, um, he helped, they, they went looking for him and they went and they, they were taking other people. They were taking other young black men. They were, cause they were trying to find Emmett. 
-hmm. And I believe after he was killed, they sent Johnny B. They sent him out of town. So he wouldn't talk about or he wouldn't tell what went down, if I remember correctly. I always look for roles that that challenge in one way or another. I know the story of Emmett. A lot of people do. I actually, um, for a couple of years, a couple of years ago, for a couple of years, I played Emmett Till in a show in a play called Anne and Emmett, which was um, uh, an imaginary conversation between Anne Frank and Emmett Till. I got an opportunity to learn more about Emmett, more more than the, the things that I knew. And I knew about his death, his murder. I didn't know a lot about his life. His life, exactly. And I learned a lot more about his life, which was really, really awesome and really beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, and I learned how much of a jokester he was. And that's one of the things I know I tried to lean on. I leaned on personally leaning on that joking side, leaning on that silly side, and because that makes it really, it just makes it all the more tragic. Like he yeah. didn't deserve anything that happened to him coming down here from Chicago. Like he didn't deserve any of it because he was just a young kid. He was a kid who just liked having fun, who liked being silly, who deserved to live. And he did not deserve to walk into this, system that he played no part in creating and have his life cut short because of it so yeah so you go in with that knowledge but you also go in understanding that there's a danger for the people that are involved if you don't help if you don't it's like we're going to find we're going to find this kid we're going to rough him up a little bit and then that's it and it's like i and then it goes further than that and it keeps going further than that. And now you realize that you're in a situation that you really can't. Now you're a part of this and you're and you're witnessing something that it's like, what, what do I do? Do I stop it? I can't stop it. So yeah, it, it's a lot of those things that happen in your head. You know, emotionally they had, they had um, therapists on set Mm -hmm. For people to just, if there was anything that people needed to talk about, it was a very caring set. And it had to be because of what was being shown and represented. I love that um, the director, she, it, it was not a desire to show what happened to Emmett because you didn't need to see that to know what happened. Right. Um, and so I appreciate that 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 was that that was one of the things that wasn't going to happen we weren't going to see him get killed but even with that just you know certain moments that we had that we were on set and certain things that we were doing it does kind of it hits you in a certain way mm -hmm. so i appreciate being a part of it um and i appreciate the things that i learned beforehand and the knowledge that I had beforehand, because that did help me, you know, just keep keep myself grounded in the experiences that we were having. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. But I wanted to ask one last question of you. And I know you are, you know, reading and um, getting ready for another role. Um, one, when when can we expect to to see that? And also, like, what is your dream role and is it in film or theater mm -hmm. well the show i'm doing now is at indiana repertory theater uh it's flying west a pearl league we open up uh january 13th and we run through february 5th so if you're in the indiana area and you want to come check it out please do yes um i have another project coming up um a show called damascus it's going to be on amc um i have a couple of episodes in that that should be fun and um a dream role <laughs> drum roll <laughs> uh, i i'll break it down i say i'll break it down like this i would like for a 
a TV role, I would just uh, a series regular role where I can grow, where my character can grow and evolve. And theater, I would love to step into Macbeth. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I, I I would like to step into that. I would like to step into uh, King Hedley the second by August Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would uh, like to, I've done the show uh, Paradise Blue, but I played PSAM. I would like to play Blue in Paradise Blue. Okay. Yeah. Those well, are my top threes right now. Okay. So we're, so you put that on the universe. So I'm going to help manifest that. And, you know, when listeners hear that, hopefully they will join in and help us to manifest that too. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and, and when that manifestation, uh, number one word, Broadway, 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 that's coming. Yes. That is coming. Yes. Oh, I, I love that for you. <laughs> Thank you. I receive it. I'm excited. I'm excited when it comes, but I'm speaking it. It's been in my head and I'm just speaking it out loud. There's an alignment that is meant to happen. So I'm doing my part. Absolutely. Peace and love. Peace and love.